The views and opinions of today's broadcast are not necessarily the views and opinions of the TJRS radio network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS radio network. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, the show where we discuss politics, social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Ryle. Thank you so much for the wonderful introduction, and good morning. Today is July 9th, 2020, and here are the topics that will be discussed in this week's edition of the serious side of the Jay Brown Show. By the way, isn't that incredible? Yeah. I was just saying, because we were talking about it, <laughs> and he, he said he wanted to attack Iran, and what? He said it was This was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can... Probably, yeah. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out a. Yeah. See, as president, I could have declassified yeah, it. Now yeah. I can't. You know, but this is. Yeah, like, now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. This is not just a Baltimore thing. We have to be honest. This is the United States of America. This is our longest-standing public health challenge, and we need to focus on gun violence, regardless of where it happens, right? Whether it's in inner-city Baltimore, whether it's in suburbia, whether it's in rural America. This is not a normal The court has effectively ended affirmative action in college admissions, and I strongly, strongly disagree with we also learned this week that an attorney disciplinary committee recommended that Rudy Giuliani be disbarred in Washington, D.C. for his efforts on behalf of Trump in those uh, days when they were trying to overturn the 2020 election results. Online radio at its best. Heavenly Father, as the sun rises and the world awakens around me, I come before you with a heart full of gratitude and a soul overflowing with hope. Today, I ask for your guidance and strength to help me face the challenges and obstacles that may come my way. As I begin this new day, I am reminded of the many blessings you have bestowed upon me. I am grateful for the gift of life, for the breath in my lungs, and for the opportunity to live each day to its fullest. I am grateful for the people you have placed in my life, for their love, support, and encouragement. And I am grateful for the countless ways in which you have shown me your love and mercy. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is our call-in number. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It is the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio. And it's best, of course, I'm Jay Rouse. Thank you so much for spending a portion of your Sunday with us. And as always, I never share this great stage by myself, this great platform. I want to say good morning to my big sis, Miss Vanessa Maybelli from the Macinellias in the house. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It is a beautiful morning in Houston, Texas. How's everybody? It is a beautiful morning. Uh, you know, hopefully it will stay this way, but we know it will not. Obviously, the temperature will go up, but uh, we're going to celebrate it. Uh, you know, 
I mean, my air conditioning bill is going to be ridiculous. Uh, I can't. Oh, God. Anyway, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> it's going to be ridiculous. Mr. Elias is off this morning. Matter of fact, Mr. Elias is in H-Town somewhere. Uh, but he's off this morning, and, uh, of course, Jerome is off as well. Number is 347-850-1272. A lot to get into this morning, but if you listen to this show, you know this is the time we kind of wrap and clap and talk about things that will not be covered during the, you know, the heavy lifting portion of the show. A couple of things I wanted to talk about, Vanessa. Marjorie Taylor Greene, there's a possibility that she's been kicked out of the Freedom Caucus. Now, the reason why I say a possibility, because we're not getting any straight answers uh, in the media. But what does it say about her when she is so crazy, where her own caucus is saying, you know what, we can't deal with her. She has to go. <laughs> what, what say <laughs> you about this crazy little, and she won re-election. That's the thing that makes it so scary. She won re-election. What say you in regards to this lady possibly being kicked out of her own car? And the reason why she's being kicked out is because of her unwavering support for the Speaker of the House, which tells you everything that you need to know. Go ahead. You know, I I didn't know that she was having issues. I just know that she is an issue by herself. I mean, she she is the one who screams out while he's talking and but her own while the president is talking when when the speaker of the house is talking she screams out stuff at him well okay see I never saw that but that's news to me I know that uh, she has been a big supporter for him and this is the same speaker Kevin McCarthy who had to have at least 15 votes before he was even voted as speaker so that tells you that he really doesn't have control of his party uh, in that chamber. Well, no. But but he, once again, no, yeah, you're he right. He doesn't, Jay, because he made so many deals to get the position. Remember, remember, right. he was in there making deals with everybody. After he, they kept voting days and voting and voting, and he never got it. He had to make deals with people to get that position. So when you old people can win you old people and who the hell wants to put Marge Green, okay? And she's going to call him for whatever he owes her for. She's crazy. Yeah. I don't like that. True. I was, at a, I, was, yeah. I was talking to somebody about politics the other day and they didn't know she owes at church. They didn't know anything about politics, but they knew who she was. There you <laughs> go. So, there you go right there. Well, well, there it is, and that's the problem because it's all about it's a popularity contest, and people look at her. You don't know what the facts are, but you know the name. It's name recognition. That's one of the main reasons, in my opinion, that Trump became president because people thought, you know, they associated success with Trump, and so it's like, oh, well, let's get someone else. It's not working with regular politicians. Let's get somebody else in, and you see what happened. So, good graces of life, and she won re-election. You know, and it's just, and she said in the statement that basically her number one priority, she don't really care what people think about her, her number one priority, she said Republicans have two years to show America that they can be a party that can, you know, that can, you know, do politics and uh, that can lead, that can govern. And she said, and her number one purpose is to get President Trump back into office. You know, it just sounds to me she wants to be the VP. 
And that's why but she's kissing Trump like behind. But it also sounds like that's why her husband left her. Her husband left her. They're getting a divorce. Yeah, I know. I guess to say she is yeah. crazy. I can't deal with her. <laughs> yeah. Nutso, nutso, nutso. It's just, it's amazing. It, it, it's just amazing. Now, the Supreme Court uh, has not the Supreme, not the, not the big Supreme Court, but a court has ruled that the three last surviving members of the Tulsa riot, the Tulsa riots, you know, better known as Black Wall Street, when they burned it down, right? White people burned it down. A court ruled that uh, these people are not entitled to reparations. The last three uh, survivors of the Tulsa massacres court ruled that they can't get any money. And here's the thing that's so crazy about it, that the group that's representing the three long-lasting survivors, uh, they're not asking that every, you know, every black person in America gets a million dollars or whatever the case may be. They're just saying it's a million dollars showing that this is the money that these individuals lost out on because of the fact that white people tore down Black Wall Street. And once again, here we are in the situation, Vanessa, where our people, you can take from our folks, you can burn things down, but at the end of the day, you know, white folks look at it as, well, that wasn't us, so why should we be the ones on the hook for it? What say you in regards to this ruling by the court saying that the last three survivors of the Tulsa ma- massacre can't get a dime. Nothing. And this is going to be short this week. I'm not surprised that they're not going to do it. Because they're probably saying who was to say that they were going to make a million dollars back then. So I'm not surprised. Well, but let's think about the bigger picture of reparations, you know, because there's a group that's still trying to get reparations for African-Americans because of the fact that our forefathers, uh, our ancestors built this country and they didn't get paid for it. You know, everyone knows about how slaves helped build the White House. They never got paid for it. You know, we helped, you know, you know, build this nation and it was off the backs of our ancestors and they're not getting a freaking dime. For this and eighty percent of white Americans are against it. But what about the Indians, Jay? Well, true, same thing. Well, listen, if you want to compare, now, now I'm glad you brought that up, and oh, I will no be way. the first to say, I don't know, I'll be the first to say that I'm not that diverse in this topic. But I will say this: I know that the Indians have reservations that's considered their price. So I think they tried to do right with the Indians by giving them. You know, you know, they have reservations where they control it, the whole nine yards. So I think they tried to, even though to me that's nothing. That's a drop in the bucket compared to what the white folks, you know, they took this land from the Indians. But at the end of the day, they gave them something. We're not getting a damn thing. Forty acres of the mule. We're not getting anything. Nothing. Well, they had the mm-hmm. whole country just about, so I guess to let them have property here and property there and control it, I guess that's something. It's better than what they did for us. Well, that's my point. They haven't done anything for us, and, that, and that's the bigger <laughs> that's the bigger issue here. And they're it's like they're not going to. Well, they're not, and, and that's just the way it is. It's just the world we live in. It's just ridiculous, 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 and I'm just at a point now where it's like whatever. So... Uh, last week, just to explain, last week uh, I was in the Chicagoland area, and 
I will I will admit this that we have to do a better job with this. Now we had all intentions on doing the show, but me, Mister Forgetful, left all the material in Texas, <laughs> so I had none of the lead-ins. So I had none. Of, I had nothing. None of the hits. Anything. So we just couldn't do the show. But while I was in that area, there was a big story up there, Vanessa. And I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure if you've seen this video. It was a, a mother at a uh, at some type of restaurant, some local, you know, hole-in-the-wall restaurant. And her and this young black man were in an argument. And this guy said, you say one more thing, that will knock you out. I will knock you out. And this joker hauled off and started beating this woman like a grown-ass man. Her 14-year-old son went out to the car, got a weapon, and shot him. And he died later of his injuries. But they were arrested immediately until authorities saw the tape. Once they saw the tape, then they were released immediately. And now this woman is suing the city of Chicago for this whole incident. Um, I don't know. Have you seen this video, first of all? Well, um, I personally have not seen it, but since it came out, Mr. Mr. Person over here was so appalled, he was telling me about it because he said that they automatically assumed that the black people were wrong before they even seen the tape, that the man was trying to hurt them. So, yeah, I knew about right. it. Right. Well, you know, and the thing is, it's in Chicago, and it, it was just, you know, black-on-black black crime, to use Jerome's moniker. But at the end of the day, you know, it was a situation where they were arrested. And so people always, folks always say, stop playing the race card. But, you you know, listen, you have no choice to play the race card when you think about some of the situations nationwide. Now, I know that you know, there are I different... You thought they were uh, white until you just said it. I thought they were white no. when I was hearing the story until no, you no, just said no. different. Oh, no. Uh-uh, no. It was, a, it was a Chicago, some hole-in-the-wall place, some taco place. They were in line, and, and the woman told so her son to, they, to, to go to the car. They, uh, go ahead. So why did they just assume that the boy who went and got the gun, because his mama told him to go to the car, why, why did they just assume what they did was wrong then? Because it was a black person. Well, with a well because that's, well, that's because you know it's where okay where it was located, right? And you know, hey, it's not. It goes back to the skin color thing, and that's what I was about to say. Because you know, I will admit that there are different you know diff, different jurisdictions when it comes to police and and things of that nature. Every, you know, every state has its own set of laws and stuff. I'll give them that. But think about the Ahmad Arbery case where, once again, they rolled up on that situation, and those three white guys told the police, oh, this black guy was snooping around. They shot. They weren't arrested immediately, if you remember. They weren't arrested immediately, and they claimed self-defense. That's why people say that this is BS, because at the end of the day, people automatically assume if you are of dark complexion, then you are guilty until proven innocent. It's supposed to be the other way around. But, but that's why people say these the things. Door. But the lady who shot through the door wasn't arrested. Great example. Great example. <laughs> Great example. So people say that all oh, you guys are always bringing up the race car. No, we're bringing up the race car because it's legitimate. I'll be the first one to tell you that there are times, 
and I know all my black brothers and sisters don't get pissed off. There are times where I do think we, you know, play the race card too much. And I always bring up that original Denny situation that happened during the Rodney King riots. But I'm pretty sure there are more examples, but that's just the one that comes to my mind immediately. But at the end of the day, we continue to do this. Law enforcement continue to assume that this is going on. There's another video out there of a white police officer body slamming a middle-aged black woman because a grocery store called and said that there were two, a couple that were assaulting their security guard. So they saw the man sitting on, here's what I don't understand about that situation. So he was sitting under a tree on some type of stool or something. If he had assaulted someone, don't you think they would leave? But anyway, they arrested the man. And then the cop goes over and, and the woman, she's recording on her phone. He he tries to take the, he takes the phone, he tries to take the phone and then he just takes her and body slams her to the ground. And then tells her while she's in the prone position, hey, you better stop moving. I'm going to hit you in your face. Oh, is this on a recording cam, a body cam? Y- yes, it's a body cam. <laughs> and here, and Vanessa, here's the thing that's so I'm crazy sorry, about that. They but know the they're, he, listen. doing it with a body cam on. Okay. You know, okay. you know that you are superior when you know you're being recorded. You know you're being recorded and you're still doing these things to African Americans. It's crazy. They it's don't a crazy care. situation. Well, they don't. And that's the point. They don't care. They'll do what they need to do and they don't give a damn who they hurt or whatever the case may be. It's ridiculous. It really and truly is. And it's a sad state of affairs when you think about how these people treat our folks. And they continue to do this. But it is what it is. Uh, all right, Vanessa. It is time. Thank you so much. All right. It is time for an NPR news update. After that, Vanessa and I we will get into the heavy lifting of the show. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We've missed you. Hope you missed us. It's the serious side on a beautiful Sunday. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Eighteen minutes after the hour, you're listening to the serious side right here on the TJRS Radio Network. Online radio at its best. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. President Biden leaves this morning for Europe. His visit will include the annual NATO summit. A major issue this year is whether to admit Sweden as its 32nd member. Ukraine is also wants to join the alliance. Members may consider steps Ukraine should take before being accepted as a NATO member. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is heading home after a four-day trip to China. At a news conference before leaving Beijing, Yellen said the talks were direct and productive and a step towards putting the U.S.-China relationship on a sure footing. The U.S. and China have significant disagreements. Those disagreements need to be communicated clearly and directly. But President Biden and I do not see the relationship between the U.S. and China through the frame of great power conflict. We believe that the world is big enough for both of our countries to thrive. She said both nations have an obligation to find a way to live together and share in global prosperity. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is being sued after deploying a buoy barrier in the Rio Grande. It's being called a violation of the U.S. Treaty with Mexico. Texas Public Radio's David Martin Davies reports. 
The suit claims that Abbott does not have the legal authority to put a 1,000-foot-long barrier in the water. Eagle Pass resident Jesse F. Fuentes, who filed the suit, says the barrier illegally interferes with the flow of the Rio Grande. And that river is protected, federally protected by so many agencies. And our concern is, did they follow the proper protocols? Fuentes also says the barrier prevents him from running his river kayaking business. In response to the suit, Abbott tweeted, quote, This is going to the Supreme Court. Texas has a constitutional right to secure our border. I'm David Martin Davies in San Antonio. A judge ruled in March Phoenix must clear out the biggest homeless encampment in the state. Tomorrow is the deadline to show compliance. From member station KJZZ, Kirsten Dorman reports. Local residents and business owners in Phoenix filed the lawsuit last year calling the encampment known as The Zone a public health and safety concern and claiming the city wasn't doing enough to address the issue. Rachel Milne is the director of the City of Phoenix Office of Homeless Solutions. I am happy with what we've accomplished so far. And really what that is is we've shut down three blocks in the area where people were camping. The city of Phoenix is also facing a lawsuit from the American Civil Liberties Union of Arizona, which says the city has been violating the constitutional rights of unhoused people during encampment cleanup sweeps. For NPR News, I'm Kirsten Dorman in Phoenix. This is NPR News from Washington. Once upon a time, in a place called Mzansi, the people loved driving cars everywhere. They used lots and lots of electricity and chopped down many trees for firewood. And then a very strange thing happened. The weather began to change. In some places there were droughts where before there was rain. In other places, the rivers flooded. The grown-ups realized they were contributing to the strange weather. They discovered if they used clean energy and less electricity, they could save Mzansi for their children. What happened then? How the story unfolds is up to each and every one of us. Switch off, recycle, change. Help save tomorrow, today. Online radio at its best. We looked at him. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. All sorts of stuff. It's pages long. Wait a minute. Let's see. Uh, yeah. I just found. Isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case. Yeah. Except it is like highly confidential. <laughs> this is secret information. Look, look at this. You attack. And Hillary. By the way, isn't that incredible? Yeah. I was just saying, because we were talking about it. And he, he said, he wanted to attack Iran and what? He's in the papers. This was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably get Figure out a, 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 a,
And you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, I believe It's incredible, right? No, hey, bring some, uh, bring some coach. Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. You know you heard that phrase, uh, being a fly on the wall, or there you were. You were a fly on the wall when former President Donald Trump showed two people some of the most top secret information that this nation has produced. And this man wants to be president again. We'll start right there. Vanessa, you know, we we, we talk about this man so much. And <laughs> But there's a reason for this, because I think that if we can change one person's mind about this clown, you know, that's all we can do, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, he is dangerous. And so and he lies like a rug. So he tells, you know, prosecutors and everyone who was li- who's listening to him that he didn't do anything wrong. First he said, oh, I had the ability to – to declassify him if I just did a mental thing. If I could say, mm, they're declassified, mm, they're declassified, which is ridiculous. And so now we have this man showing, now these are war plans. Now I used to be in the military and I held the top secret security clearance. I've never seen war plans before, but I do know how top secret information is handled. And when I tell you, now back then, we didn't have, I think, only a very few people. I did have a cell phone, but, my God, I, it was so big and you had to leave it up front. But, you know, people didn't have cell phones. So you didn't have to worry about sticking things in a drawer and locking it up. But I promise you that they checked you if you had any listening devices on you. Um, it was ridiculous. And this man was just willy-nilly sharing his information with these two people. And then one of his staffers came out a week later saying that he was just showing people this stuff, anyone at Mar-a-Lago. Just, you want to see this? You want to see what I got? Just your thoughts on this man and how, and let me add this to it as well. What you don't understand is, is that in order for us to receive intelligence on terrorists, on, you know, rogue nations, we have to have people close to the source. In other words, for people that may not understand this, unless I put the Hollywood swing on it, you have to have spies. You have to have people who are embedded with these folks to push this information back out to our intelligence agencies in in some cases. That's not the only way we gather intelligence, but that's one of the strongest ways how do you, uh, how do, you know, how do you think we knew where Osama bin Laden was? You had to have someone that was close that knew about his whereabouts and his movements. And so, when this information gets out, and here's an example that I'll use. So let's say that you know Vanessa, me, you, and Mr. Elias, we're in a room now. Me and Mr. Elias have been together a long, long time. We have accepted you in our group. You are our sister. All of a sudden, but me and Mr. Elias is planning some diabolical schemes. And all of a sudden, <laughs> it gets out that we're planning this, right? Now, there's only three of us in the room. <laughs> so we automatically looking at you like, yeah, you did it. 
So the next time you come in and break bread with us, we're gonna have we gonna you know strap you up and electrocute you and do everything you see on TV. My bigger point here is is that you are endangering people when this information is exposed. And he was showing this mess around Vanessa like it was nothing. Let's see you. <laughs> That's what say you. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It, it's, wait a minute. We were looking at Fox's about it on TV, and Fox said, "Let me show you." They have 102 pages of paperwork that Donald Trump had. Here's 102 pages, and he had like a little box from Amazon with the pages. And then he came back and he said, and this is what they said they got from Donald Trump, and it was walls and walls of boxes. I mean, just self-esteem, if people believe it. But people who don't listen to other channels do believe it. And so Donald Trump is saying, I don't, I'm not in trouble. I had the right to have these papers. But then you'll hear him somewhere else saying, I would show y'all these papers, but I can't because they're confidential papers or whatever. So it's That's like, not what he said. What he no, said was, another, uh, oh, really? Ahead. Okay, sis. But no, no, I was going to say, because no. what he said was that, hey, you know, I, you know, if I was president, you know, I could declassify him, but I can't declassify him now. No, on another recording. He said, I would show y'all these these papers. This is not another event. I would show y'all these oh, wow. papers. But in, whatever the word was he was using, it was, in other words, confidential, and I can't show it to y'all. So he knew that he was not supposed to have those papers and show them to people. Yes, yes, he did say that. That's what's going to get him. When he's saying, I had the right and I didn't know what all of that, that's what's going to get him right there. Is when he was saying, I would show y'all, but, yeah, I, I he really, did say that, Judge. I, I really and truly believe that they have him on videotape. I, I do. I, I think that they had, well, you know, the one guy that's his little handler, I can't think of his name, he finally got an attorney, and he was arraigned in court this past week. Uh, but they have video of this guy moving boxes around. Now, this is after they told the FBI and the archives folks. Yeah, they have, they have they, I get, Vanessa, when I tell you that they have an airtight case against this man, I really do believe it. And if politics do not get in the way, he's going to jail. And he's going to jail for a long time because each of these counts, I think, carry, what, a 10-year sentence? He's going to jail. I mean, and so when people say he's not going to – oh, yes, he is. So the, so the million-dollar question is how long are they going to put him in jail? Do I think he's going to serve decades in jail? No. But I, I do think he's going. going. I, uh, the only – Vanessa like, – um, Wait, it just saying – It just seems like – Everything bounces off of him. Jay, I don't know how you missed it. Okay, so, Jay, yeah, I know I miss yeah. looking at the news sometimes when I'm out the country or whatever, but, Jay, he, they mm -hmm. have him on tape saying, I would show y'all these papers. <laughs> I know. They got him on tape saying that, Jay. And so, to me, what? you knew it. That's why you told them that. And, and, and when they played it, I said, Bobby, 
who is recording him? Who is getting this man on tape saying this? So he studied running his mouth, and somebody studied telling it on him. He ain't learned to shut the hell up yet. Well, here's the deal with that situation, Vanessa, and I'm not sure what you're talking about, but the one we just played at the top of this segment you know that was a there was a person that was doing a uh, that's doing some type of book on uh, on uh, Meadows, his uh, former chief of staff. So he knew that they were recording. He knew they were recording, and that makes it even more dangerous. You can hear him shuffling through papers. Then he says, "This is off the record, obviously." Look at this, you know. And this is, and you know, and here's another thing too about a man with a very small ego. He is so. When I tell you he is so insecure, it's ridiculous. Because basically, the reason why he was showing these two individuals these papers was because General Milley uh, came out. General Milley, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, head head guy. He was telling. He told. He said in the public, basically in the media, that Donald Trump wanted to attack Iran, and he said he had to stop him from doing it. And so Trump's response to that was, yeah, that's not true. And let me show you. They gave me a full war plan on how to t- attack Iran. See? So who was really trying to do it? Was it me or was it General, General uh, uh, Milley? I mean, so his, his ego is so bruised that he has to prove that he's right all the time. He's a crazy man. But what does it say that, once again, over 70-something million people voted for this dude? Knowing all this, well, maybe they didn't know all this. I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm just baffled by, you know, where we are in this nation's history. I'm baffled by this. I really am. I, I, I just so don't be okay because that's just the way it is, Boom. I mean, people are putting party – they're putting party over people and, and what's good for this country. They have lost – They're putting lives – they're putting people's lives over uh, over over people, Vanessa. This is ridiculous what they're doing. This, this, this people could die from the decisions that these people are making. You know, Tommy Tuberville. This is another. This is a different topic. But this guy is holding up all of um, President Biden's uh, a lot of the appointments that he needs to make for key military strategic positions. He can't even get some of his generals in. We're in the middle of a crisis uh, worldwide, and this guy, a former football coach, is holding these things up. They don't give a dick. First of all, they don't know anything about governing, and these clowns are voted into office because of name recognition. The only reason why Tommy Tumble is a senator is because he was a, a famous football coach. And what does that tell you about the mentality of our nation? You know, we did this show years ago, but we talked about where the U.S. is ranked when it comes to education, and there's a reason why we're ranked so low. Because people like this continue to find their way in public office. It's a damn shame. And we laugh about it, but there's nothing to laugh about when you have these dangerous people occupying the halls of Congress. They're dangerous. Marjorie Taylor Greene shouldn't even be on the damn PTA board, uh, but she's on the, in Congress, let alone Congress. These people are lawmakers. This is uh, this. What, Vanessa, when I think about this, 
I, I'm like, oh, my God. What, what's... So then it kind of goes back to God. God, why are you allowing this nonsense to happen? What is going on? What are you really trying to show us by allowing these dangerous people who's going to cost people their lives, people that are not, there are people who, who, who didn't even vote for these fools are going to be affected by these idiots. God, where art thou? What are we doing? What's going on? Do we deserve this? Do we really deserve this? What's going on? And if you are a serious-minded individual, a serious-minded adult, you have to ask yourself these questions. There's no way you can walk around here with blinders on, not anticipating and not thinking about why are we heading in this direction? You know, I talked about this a, a few years ago when I, you know, I stood before the church. It was uh, a week. You know, our church have weeks where the brothers control everything, the sisters, you know, we have all. And, you know, and I, I gave a speech on why does God allow good things to happen to bad, I mean, bad things to happen to good people? If he's an almighty God, an all-loving God, then why? Why are people, you know, we see all the time four-year-old kids are getting shot and killed. They didn't do anything to deserve that. I don't know. Vanessa, what do you have to say? Pray for this country, what I say every Sunday. Pray for this country. And people think uh, I'm kidding when I say that. But my pastor at church says that when he's um, doing his opening ceremony, opening to his, his preaching and his lesson, and we have to pray for this country because there's a lot of things, Jay, that we're just not going to be able to change even though we want to. And we're not going to be able to change it, Jay, because it hasn't been changed yet. And it seems like that the country is going backwards instead of forward. So we're in a very bad place right now. So, you know, you can't always um, get people to, to vote the right way because their parents voted a certain way, Jay, so they just follow their parents. There are some people who don't know what's going on in the country, Jay, and so they just vote the party, and they don't know anything else that's going on. So some people are voting their bank accounts, you know, our 401Ks, have dropped. We've lost quite a bit of money. Interest rates on credit cards are going up, so you can't always just a credit card and go buy something that costs two or three thousand dollars. You got to be mindful of it. So you know what I say, Jay, is this country is going backwards and it's not going forward. And um, we, as the elderly, all we can do is is try to get the young people to pay attention to what we're saying. And if we can change one person's mind, like you say, then we've accomplished something. And and I know y'all get mad at me when I say I'm, I just can't stress it anymore. I can't let Donald Trump raise my blood pressure up. I just won't, and I can't, because he's just his ass is crazy, and he's going to get away with this stuff. Well, but you know what? I don't even think that. Well, well, listen, I agree with 95% of what you just said. I think the bigger issue here is that, yeah, we can change one person's, uh, you know, uh, mind at a time. But, you know, the bigger picture is we're facing headwinds that are just something that I don't think we can get through. I mean, these white people are cheating. 
America, America mostly votes Democratic. Yet and still, they have more governors. They have more. There are more Republican governors in this nation because they cheat. They cheat, Vanessa. It's the old plantation mentality. You got twenty people running a plantation that has over two hundred slaves. Why? They are cheating. They cheat to maintain power. America doesn't look like our country. We have one black senator, well, two actually, and 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 one of them is a freaking you know, I mean, Tim Scott is anyway. So so think about that. How many how many black uh, senators, female Jay, senators, do we have in Congress? Okay, I want to bring one up. I want to bring one of the subjects up in just for a minute, because briefly, you we're. We're in the news, Texas is, every week because Abbott is constantly doing something that he ain't got no business doing. Of course. And then when he gets sued, like one of the things you played earlier, guess who's paying the lawsuit and for the attorneys to fight all of these people that he's getting in trouble with? We are. Because we don't want to pay any taxes in Texas. And I just don't understand how people keep putting him in and he's not doing anything to benefit. Yes, you do. You understand. I just said it before you just said this. They're cheating. You know, you can't have every major city in Texas, and I know people who listen to us on a regular basis saying we know where he's going. Well, guess what? There may be someone who's not listening, who is a first-time listener. Every major city in Texas voted Democrat, every last one of them. But yet still, the Republican won the state because you give these rural areas just as much power than you give some of these major metropolitan areas. This is this is archaic. This is something that needs to go away. I mean, to me, whoever gets the most votes win. Period. The last two Republican presidents didn't win the popular vote. But when you grow up in school, when you vote for the class president, whoever gets the most votes wins. It's simple as that. So by you giving a rural area just as much power as a major metropolitan area, you're really hurting the metropolitan people. Every vote should count. It should just be straight up. Why are we making this more difficult than what it is? You know why? Because if it wasn't, they would never win again because they're going to be in the minority soon. That scares the hell out of white people. They're going to be in the minority soon. And listen, I'm not, anyone who listens to this show knows I'm not a racist. I love me, everybody. So my real dearest friends that I trust with my life have a different skin complexion than I have. But facts are facts. Anytime you're saying that you don't want to teach kids in school about this nation's history when it comes to slavery, you want to gloss over it? And then you wonder why 80% of Americans don't support reparations. Because most of them don't even understand the brutality of what racism was all about. You have schools that are banning books because they don't want people to understand how nasty and how this nation was created. You call black people lazy and don't want to work. Who had slaves? White people. Enough said. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Uh, listen. 
God, I get depressed. Every now and then I just get depressed about what's going on. All right, so we know that the economy is doing well. President Biden is doing an outstanding job, but his poll numbers doesn't reflect this. But there are Americans who are suffering, and I'm talking about renters. More renters are facing eviction. So now, here's the deal. They can't find the right attorney to represent them. So in this week's edition of the Four Minutes or Less, we're going to tackle that problem and hopefully give you some information that can help you out if you are facing this crisis. It's convenient time in Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know, and uh, we'll be right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven for day in Texas. Also, take care of yourself because it's hot outside. We'll be right back. Don't you go anywhere. Evictions are surging around the U.S. now that emergency protections have ended. In some cities, they are well above pre-pandemic levels. But a growing number of places are trying to help renters avoid eviction by guaranteeing their right to a lawyer. NPR's Jennifer Ludden reports. If you're facing eviction, a judge in what's known as rent court has the final say. But there's a major power imbalance here. Most landlords have lawyers. Most tenants do not. The pandemic fueled a push to change this and inspired Joseph Loveless to sign on with Maryland Legal Aid. Homelessness is a crisis in this country, so an opportunity to help people, you know, stay in their home is pretty much trying to stop the bleeding at the source. We're speaking outside Baltimore's rent court, where Loveless hopes he'll help someone today. Two years after the city and state passed right-to-counsel laws, there's still no system to match tenants with lawyers. So Loveless and his colleagues arrive early and offer themselves up. And we will be making an announcement basically right in front of the door saying, you know, everybody who's waiting to get in, you might want to speak to us first. There's no recording inside, but in the hallway, Loveless quickly connects with a renter. They huddle on a bench as he scribbles notes. Then he approaches the attorney for the woman's landlord, and they huddle. When the judge gets to the renter's case, success. It's dismissed, and she can stay put. Back outside, the tenant, Keisha, doesn't want to give her last name for fear of retribution from her landlord. She says she's been stressed financially, helping her daughter get through a devastating illness. Yes, I missed some payments due to my daughter almost passed away. It's a little bit emotional, but that was the reason why my rent was late. Keisha got approved for emergency rent help, some of the last bit of such pandemic aid left in Baltimore. But there'd been a delay getting it. She's grateful to this lawyer she just met barely an hour ago. No, I just really appreciate your name. <laughs> Maryland is one of four states and more than a dozen cities that have right to counsel laws. And these laws are helping people avoid eviction, says John Pollock. He's with the National Coalition for a Civil Right to Counsel. Even if renters still have to move out, he says an attorney can help with three crucial decisions. How much back rent must they pay? How much time do they get to find another place? And will the eviction appear on their rental history or credit report? If they don't have legal assistance with those issues, they will lose on all three. And as a result of that, their chance of finding new housing is very, very low. But these laws have spread so fast and demand is so great, Pollock says there can be an unexpected challenge, not enough lawyers. New York City and Kansas City are among places that have seen serious shortages. In some jurisdictions, the courts are 
simply saying, oh, there's no attorney available, well, too bad. We're just going to evict the tenant anyway, which is really a dereliction of duty on their part, in our view. In Washington State, where courts actually appoint eviction attorneys, judges will delay a case if the tenant doesn't have one. And to attract more lawyers, some places are boosting salaries and stepping up recruitment. As for landlord groups, they strongly oppose right-to-counsel laws. That money would be much better spent if it was helping to avoid eviction in the first place. Nicole Yupano is with the National Apartment Association. So spending that money towards emergency rental assistance or um, if they need longer-term assistance through housing subsidy programs. What's more, Yapano says when landlords have to delay evictions for people who simply can't pay, it drives up their costs, which then get passed on to other renters. Back in Maryland, the state is starting to test an eviction hotline. Hi, this is Amber from 211 Maryland. How can I help you today? The goal is to connect people with an attorney before their court date. Do you have an eviction notice at this time? Yes. Right now, many renters figure there's no way they'll win, so they skip eviction court, lose by default, and get forced out of their homes. Elaine Pollock is with Maryland's United Way Helpline and says it can demystify how evictions work. A lot of times we'll get a call that's just frantic, I need to be out by this date. And then we come to find out it's not an eviction notice after all, it's an intent to file or it's a warning. As more renters around the country get legal help like this, the hope is that more landlords will decide it makes better sense to negotiate with them and the number of eviction filings will go down. Jennifer Ludden, NPR News, Baltimore. Forty-year-old Kim Brady Carragher appeared in a Philadelphia court, facing multiple charges for the July 3rd rampage that police say killed five, including 15-year-old Dewan Brown. His grandmother, Odessa Brown, heartbroken, saying her grandson was killed while trying to help another gunshot victim. This is not just a Baltimore thing. We have to be honest. This is the United States of America. This is our longest-standing public health challenge, and we need to focus on gun violence, regardless of where it happens, right? Whether it's in inner-city Baltimore, whether it's in suburbia, whether it's in rural America. What's going through your mind? Two children were also injured, but according to police, the shooter fired more than 50 rounds aimlessly, including at a Jeep, inside a mom and her three young children. The shooter was heavily armed with an AR-15-style rifle and handgun, wearing a ski mask and bulletproof vest, according to investigators. Authorities say some who live with Carragher say the shooter frequently wore a bulletproof vest. And now authorities saying the shell casings were covered at the scene, match shell casings found at the home, along with a handgun, ammunition. Welcome back in 347-850-127 to another senseless mass shooting in this nation. Um, matter of fact, 2023, we're on pace to, uh, we're on a record pace for mass shootings in this country. And it's just something that we continue to talk about. Uh, it's a problem that, um, in my opinion, is that will not go away. And we're the only nation, democratic nation worldwide, that continues to have these issues. Listen to the serious side. It's uh, 51 minutes after the hour, not before the top of the hour. So if you have to be there by 
10 or it's the top of the hour, you have nine minutes to get there. Um, you know, Vanessa, uh, Florida is set to become the 26th state in this nation to allow people to carry handguns or firearms with no permit. And so we wonder why we have so many mass shootings and killings and things of that nature. Because you're making it so easy for people to carry guns without a permit. Now, listen, I don't know what the answer is to this problem. I really don't. Because, you know, Chicago has one of the strictest, you know, gun policies in the nation. So does D.C. But yet, still, every time you turn around, there's mess popping off in Chicago. (laughs) Excuse me. So, you know, some people argue and they say, well, laws are in place to keep the honest man honest because criminals don't follow the law. And so the Republican argument is, well, if you allow, if you continually, if you continue to restrict, you know, law-abiding citizens, the ability to protect themselves, then, you know, whose side are you really on? Because at the end of the day, you know, like I just said, criminals are criminals. They don't give a damn about the law. That's why they're called criminals. So when you look at the argument from that vantage point, when you look at it through that lens, do they have a valid point, Vanessa? Well, you know, if they would just do one thing to me, back to the the background check, if they could just go back to the background check and some of these felonies and stuff that's coming up on people, Maybe they wouldn't get a gun, but then they could go around the corner. So I went, I was going to the Black Friday store. I don't know if you know what okay. that is in Houston. I have no I idea what that is, but okay. The Black Friday store, y'all, is where Friday's stuff in the store, name brand, high class stuff, it starts at $7, and then each day it goes down a dollar. It goes down to a dollar. So sometimes it's just really interesting to go in there because you never know what you're going to find. But oh I, was at the, I went into the pawn shop right next door. Do y'all know okay. that they have machine guns in the pawn shop? They, Up on the they wall? They have what? Machine guns. They look yeah. like machine guns. I mean, that's not a new, Vanessa, that's not a new. What? I mean, go back. To, that's, where, hell, that's where you used to get your guns from, the pawn shop. But a machine gun, Jay. It's it's not. Trust me, it is. It's not. Trust me, I am not surprised by that. I was I was so shocked last week when I saw that. If I could have took a picture, I would have. But I'm sure they would have had something. I'm not surprised by that. That that's not. Why do you have to have? Why do you need a gun that shoots that many bullets? On the street, if you're you not don't. in war, you don't. That that that's the bigger point. That that's the point. That's been the that that is the basis of the argument, Vanessa. Why do you need to have a weapon of mass destruction, right, to protect yourself? And and listen, I talk to I talk to a lot of people, and this is brother that I really I mean him. He and I, we are. When you look at him, you look at me, with the exception of a few things. When we had this conversation about. 
weapons. This is what he said to me. He says, listen, he says, so you're going to limit me, my ability to protect myself against a criminal? I said, dude, do you really need something like that? He said, they have it. So you're not going to outarm, you're not going to outgun me. I'm, you're not going to have, I'm not going to be in a situation where I'm using a nine millimeter and they're using a, you know, M15, an AR weapon. And, and, and I had to, I didn't say this to him, but I was like, wow. Because think about it, you know, as a former military member, you know, I'm not going to run up to an M1 Bradley tank with an M16. It's 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 a death sentence. I'm not going to do anything to that thing. That, that thing will pulverize me. So if I'm going to fight an M1 uh, Bradley tank, then I need to go get me an M1. If I'm going to fight a tank, I need to get me a tank. That's you know you know looking at the bigger picture. That's one of the reasons why. Uh, this war with, uh, you know, this whole thing, this war Russia is involved with, uh, the reason why the president of the other country is saying, look, we need bigger weapons. We can't fight these guys with what we have. So when you bring it back down to, you know, a local level, who are we to say that you can't own an AR when there are other people out there owning ARs, it's all about the survival of the fittest, right? That's the mentality. So how do you resolve that? Because I can't, I can't sit here with a, you know, with, with a straight face and tell this person, well, yeah, you're right. No, I have weapons in my home. There are some people like I don't want that in my house. Okay, well, hey, God bless you. Somebody breaking in with a weapon. You better start running or try to climb. I'm not. Uh-uh. You come to my house. You better have on Kevlar. Come. I'm laying down. I'm laying down suppressor fire. But that's the nation that we live in. So who are us to tell people they can't go out and buy weapons to protect themselves, especially if it's in the Constitution, which was written by you know, which was written you know, damn near 300 years ago. But I digress. What say you? What do you think? I think all of that's just, it's way past me. All of that is just past me, Jess. They have all of those weapons and guns, that, and those are the same blank, blank people that won't go to war if you made them. You know, they, I don't know. Well, I don't like he, any of it. I don't like go any ahead. of it. I think Texas is, is just another Chicago. I do. To a certain point, I do. Abbott doesn't care. I, I just think I've seen people in Home Depot, women too, with guns on their hip, regular girls. Well, you know, guns. of course, that's what you know. They they do that. I mean, I want people like, and that's the kind of stuff I hate. You know, because somebody take their. Well, I remember I saw a viral video, and this guy ran around with a weapon on, and a guy knocked him on the side of his head and took it from him and shot him. I mean, stop it. Well, what is that to prove? What are you worried that for? For what? You're not a lot. It's these wannabe police officer people. Stop it. Take that mess. No. What does it make you? No. It no. is. No, no. It is. Jay. Jay. <laughs> we were at my daughter's house. One of her friends walked in because they had just came from the gun class, the gun range, or whatever they go to. And she had been drinking. And I asked her husband, I said, Is she packing a gun and she's been drinking? He said, yeah, she's showing out, Miss Vanessa, but I'm going to take it from her and put it up. 
Yeah, well, there you go. That's It's the jail time right there. But see, once again, it's just this power. It gives you this power. It makes you feel that you're, oh, you're somebody. You need a weapon to be powerful, but that's what they want. I, I see it all but the time walking I, around, I you know. I said that to tell you that she wasn't trying to be a police officer or security guard. She was just showing out. Well, but but see, it's it's it, but a lot of them are want to be police folks, and you run around with your little weapon on your hip and all this other stuff, and you got your little combat. So, you know, it's like these militias. And, you know, once again, there's no reason for an average American to be walking around with an AR. But here's the scary part about it: you could be attending. You know, we had my, my mass well, shooting at Juneteenth celebration. Jay, there's no reason for the average American to be walking around with a gun on their hip, period. Why? Well, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Wait wait one minute. You say that, then let me tell you something. When I go to Gary, Indiana, the first thing I tell Mr. Elias may give me a weapon because I am not running around Gary, Indiana without a weapon. I'm not. Okay, but in Texas, why do we have? Why would you have to have a gun on your hip in Texas, Jay? <clears throat> Vanessa, there are part. Vanessa, there are parts of Houston you don't go to. There are parts of Dallas you don't go to. That's the reason okay, why. Well, Jay, now, some of this. Rephrase the question. Let me rephrase, rephrase the question, sweetheart. Please do. Please do. Do you walk around Texas, Jay, with a gun on your hip? <clears throat> no, I do not. Okay. But I am. I am armed. I'm saying. I wasn't talking about the general public. I was saying, why would you or I walk around with a gun on our hip just for GP? Because, first of all, I don't need something like that to make, you know, once again, to me, when you walk around like that, it just kind of, to me, you know, it's just that mentality. I don't need that to for someone to, so you know, that, you know, I don't need Texas, it. Why do you need it in Chi-Town? But, but, but Vanessa, you, I think you're I think you're mixing the points. The bigger issue here I'm not is anything. I know what question well, no, I'm no, what, what, what I think so My because question what, is, when you get to Chicago, you tell Elias, give me a gun. But in Houston, you don't really pack a gun. Why is well, what's well, okay? The well, if, you, if you're asking, if if you're talking about that specific situation, I'll answer that for you. Because in Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana is a ghost town. And there's nothing in Gary, Indiana, but liquor stores and fast food restaurants. This is a city that, you know, a long time ago, it was a booming steel town, right? And so all of a sudden, you have all these people who were making all this money. All you had to have was a high school education to go and make a whole bunch of money, buy these big, pretty houses. Then all of a sudden, when the demand for steel went away, these jokers couldn't do nothing else. They were all blue-collar workers. So they had no education. There's, there are no major uh, uh, businesses in Gary. So, you know, what do you do? You, you work at a fast food restaurant or you drink. And so all of a sudden you have a town full of uneducated Negroes. All they're interested in is in killing and stealing. So that's why when I drive around Indiana, I have my weapon. In Houston... I don't hang out in those areas. So I have now, I t- tr- I, trust me, if I, if I have to go to one of those areas, I am armed. Because like people say, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by 6. And once again, laws are in place for law-abiding citizens. 
most criminals are not law-abiding citizens. So that's why. But even if I could open carry, for what? Now, I have walked around here concealed carry. But what does that say overall when you think about this from a national perspective, that you have to be armed in a country to go? These people are are getting killed, Vanessa, just attending picnics. That outlet store that they had this mass shooting in Dallas, I was there probably two weeks later because there was an AAU basketball tournament there. I mean, you, you're just going – there are outlets all around here in this area. Just imagine you're walking up to the place and somebody pulls up with a weapon and starts shooting and killing. And it kind of goes back to what we – Huh? Ask you why did you carry a gun in one place and not in the other? Because I think the Well, I just, just explained it to you. Hmm? Say what now? What did you say? I didn't say that Texas didn't have bad crime. I think it's really bad sometimes, and I guess depending on where you are, and yes, there are a lot of areas in Houston that I ain't going to, but I was just wondering why you would carry one in Gary and wouldn't carry one in Houston. I I don't know anything about Gary, Indiana, other than Michael Jackson used to live there. Well, there you go. And and here, Michael Jackson is the most famous person that came out of Gary, Indiana. Well, guess what? They stole a monument that was in his front yard. I mean, these jokers, man, they're ruthless. I think they put it. I think they found it. But they're ruthless. Now there are parts of of that. You know, there are parts of Indiana that are good. I mean, parts of Gary that you know you have Merrillville, very nice, or where Mr. Elias lives is a very nice uh, area. So so you do have some areas, but in the inner city, oh man, no, no, thank you, no, no. So so there it is. So, so so it goes back to, you know, the bigger problem in this nation. It goes back to what, what did we talk about in the last segment? You know, how the U.S. ranks low in education. And Gary, what I described about Gary is a fact. There's no disputing those facts. Because I knew a lot of people who graduated from high school, got that high school diploma, then they went out to the steel mill. They were making big money. You saw Cadillacs all over the place. Some jokers were, 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 you know, they were, you know, styling and profiling. But if you don't have an education, and I'm not, listen, when I say have an education, you know, one of the things that President Obama has been talking about is, you know, over these overqualified jobs. And you hear a lot of uh, politicians talking about you don't need to have degrees. A lot of these places ask you to have a degree. And, and you, you know, listen, I've held, I've held some very high positions throughout my career. HR director, you know, I own a business. I mean, I don't have a bachelor's degree. So sometimes we overqualify. Oh, well, you have a bachelor's degree. No, you don't. There are a lot of people that are have life's experiences that can step in and do what they need to do. So I'm not saying you have to go and give some university all your money. But listen, that is the gold standard. You know, you still need so, to have some type so, of education. So, so hold it right there. Yes. So Friday, they were going over how many people uh, are are now employed and Biden's numbers. Do you know, I was just having this conversation with Bobby, do you know that the man who was going over that and the affirmative action and talking about that was saying that it is to a lot of people's advantage, that if you are not college material, and my family says this all the time, everybody Stop, Les. 
everybody is not uh, college material. You know, they said they go get a trade. They said that, like, companies are, are having robots in places like Amazon to do the stocking and that kind of stuff, and that Walmart is fixing a lot of, a lot of people go, be, and I tried to tell them kids that the other day, Walmart's going to have a lot of people uh, let go because they're going to have robots stocking the shelves like Amazon, and they're going to have self-checkout, and they're not going to need but a few people to be there. They're not going to have as many employees. They said go and get a technical certificate, plumbing, electrical, cosmetology. They were naming stuff saying, Anna Houston going to college for for a a degree when a lot of these positions that are going to be in around forever, you don't need a degree. In other words, a robot can't fix your plumbing or your electrical. Right. I can't fix you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Long term, yeah, long term job opportunities. I mean, you're absolutely correct. I mean, there are some things that you know. Yeah, but it's evolution, though, Vanessa. You know, you think about it. The reason why you have a lot of people getting laid off at the post offices and stuff because people don't send as many letters as they did, you know, 40 years ago. You have email. So, you know, so you're going to always have jobs that are going to become a victim of technology. That's how this country advances. That's just the way it is. But there are some jobs that you just cannot fix, you know, auto mechanic. You you know, even though they're going with these electric cars, but most cars, you know, you got to get in there and do what you have to do. So at the end of the day, I I hear what you're saying. Somebody still got to get underneath the car sometime, and a robot can't get underneath the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was downtown the other day, and I saw a robot driving around. I'm like, what is that for? It was a robot that was doing security. I'm like, oh, wow, that's crazy. I never saw that before. Felt like I was what? in Star Wars or something. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool, actually. All right, we got to step out. It's time for Mariana Music's, uh, Music music Corner. Damn, stutter. Uh, first set. Great show so far. Glad you guys are here. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We're going to step out, take a break. We'll be right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. And I hear that we're going to have a visit from someone we haven't talked to in a minute. So that's going to be fun as well. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the serious side.
and I gotta finish this. Wait, you're gonna post those pictures of Mary? Yep. She thinks she's so hot. But her mom and dad will see them. Her grandmother, her little sister, everyone she knows, it's gonna kill her. Who cares? Just a couple of pictures. It's no big deal. No big deal? Don't. This has gotta stop. Stop cyberbullying. The results could be deadly. Online radio at its best. The court has effectively ended affirmative action in college admissions. And I strongly, strongly disagree with the court's decision. Because affirmative action is so misunderstood, the way it works in practice is this. Colleges first establish qualified political candidates based on meeting certain grade, test scores, and other criteria. Then and only then, then and only then, is from this pool of applicants, all of whom have already met the school standards, that the class is chosen after weighing a wide range of factors among them being raised. I've always believed that the promise of America is big enough for everyone to succeed and that every generation of Americans, we have benefited by opening the doors of opportunity just a little bit wider to include those who've been left behind. I know today's court decision is a severe disappointment to so many people, including me. But we cannot let the decision be a permanent setback for the country. We need to keep an open door of opportunities. What I propose consideration is a new standard, where colleges take into account the adversity a student has overcome when selecting among qualified applicants. Let's be clear. Under this new standard, this is what's true under the earlier standard, students first have to be qualified applicants. Welcome back in. 347-850-1272. It is a serious sign of 17 minutes after the hour. President Biden talking about this rogue Supreme Court. He said that this court is not a normal court. Just one of the many things that the Supreme Court has just, uh, you talk about precedence, doesn't exist with this court. Welcome back in. So now, hey, listen, I'm, I'm happy, ecstatic. You know, I, well, let's get into this topic. Let's get into this topic with uh, a brother that I call the smartest man in the world, the one and only Mr. Jerome Spree is in the house. My brother, welcome back in, man. Good morning to you. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Good morning, Jerome. Good morning, man. Hey, good morning, Vanessa. Well, you're right on time, brother. So, you know, we talked about this before, um, how, in my mind, President Biden, they, they have to extend this court. There's nothing in the Constitution that says it has to have a limit. You know, Democrats argue, well, you know, if you do this, well, I guess, no, the general argument is if you increase the court, then when a Republican president's in, he's going to add, he or she's going to add more, and it's just going to continue to be, it's a slippery slope. I, I just disagree with that, man. I just think that some of the decisions that the Supreme Court is making, the Supreme Court, some of the decisions that they're making, uh, these are strictly political decisions. And with the way uh, Clarence Thomas acts as if he's above the law, and then what's the other? What's Alito? What's the other guy that's once again doing what the hell they want to do when it comes to ethics? I think that this president has no choice in the matter in trying to extend this court. G- give me your thoughts on this, Jerome, because this is really affirmative action gone, Roe v. Wade gone. I mean. <sighs> You know, and then they take up a hypothetical situation where a lady says, "Well, what if a, you know?" I thought that this was an actual situation 
where a gay couple wanted this person to create a website for them. Come to find out that, no, but what if? So they even ruled on this. Yeah, and they they never do that. That's unprecedented. Yeah, you have to have a case pending. Like, it has to go through, like, the federal court, court of appeals before it gets to the Supreme Court. They took a case that never even happened. They took a hypothetical, which means that they're activists as judges. So, you know, the the thing that the Democrats don't do well, that the Republicans do, is that they won't balance the scales. And this has a lot of precedence in this country generally, is that when white folks do something, they hate to correct it when it comes to black folks, for example. So nobody likes affirmative action because they'll take corrective measures against the oppression and, and um, supremacy and all of that other stuff that they impose on black people. And they will tell black people, won't you feel better if we did not think that you were getting a leg up, right? Instead of saying, you're the ones who keep hmm. your foot, you, you got your foot on us. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but wouldn't you want to get up by yourself with our foot on you? With, with our foot on you? And hmm. then that argument has been working because when you have conversations with white folks, they literally will say, wouldn't you feel better if we didn't think something? <laughs> That's an argument for them. So you can see how stupid that is, like just on, on his face how stupid it is. But what happens with when Biden got elected, he said we should increase the Supreme Court. And their argument is, well, if you do it, other people may do it when they get there. Well, let them do it. Because the problem is is that when they Obama from having the Supreme Court nominees go through, that was unprecedented. And they were like, and so how do the people who are going to do that going to tell you, well, if you do something bad, we're going to do something bad. You already did something bad. You already hmm. took away the choice from the Democrats to begin with, so now we're going to take away your choice. But, again, folks like to balance scales. It's like, people who, it's like black people who love white folks, right? You don't have to love white folks like that, right? You can love your people, too, without it being a negative. So when you say you love black people, the immediately what black people hear is, oh, you hate white people. It's like, why does that make sense to you? It's because white folks program that into us that anything that doesn't look like them is negative towards them, right? So they never have this thing of leaving black people alone generally to say, here's what needs to happen. Black people, go your path, and we'll leave you alone. White people will never say that. It's always about making things skewed from one side to the other. So when you're talking Democrat and Republicans, the same thing applies when de- Democrats do anything, their threat is, well, when we get there, we're going to do it. It's like, but do you realize all the stuff you did do that makes us have to do this? You guys created our reaction, and now you're trying to mute our reaction. So Democrats, which I don't think they ever will, and most black people, because most black people won't step up, because we're conditioned to want to balance the scale. We'll have, you know, white folks to take all your land, and then say, now you need to pay us taxes, right? It's like, you don't get your poop up out of here, you know. So we have to see this stuff different and kind of adjust different. But at Supreme Court rulings, even on affirmative action, I, it, what they did in that ruling is that they said that you can't use affirmative action as um, the main or, or a lone right. criteria. 
So there's ways around this. But I think this works out for black people, honestly. Because so? for those well, for those people who have their own organization or businesses, when white folks say, Oh, how come no white folks are in your organization? Say, Hey, affirmative action has <laughs> not has been overruled. We don't have to have white people here to make you feel comfortable anymore. You ruled that that was unconstitutional. So if you don't think like us, you can't be here. Right? So let's just say you had a caller on this show, and they said, yeah. um, how come you don't take white callers? You could say, hey, technically affirmative action, so we're not going to give you a leg up because there's a bunch of black people that you have to speak. I didn't know that affirmative that action that they were speaking on um, involved having a certain amount of minorities in an organization. Well, they, you, you apply it in different ways, right? It's just a corrective measure. So the only way you can can do that in federal government kind of way, in, a, in, a, in an organized kind of way, is say, for example, if you have a population of 15% black people, in a natural fallout, if it was all as fair, then you should have 15% of black people in your schools, for example, or that works at the post office, or it should just kind of have a natural fallout. What goes on is that you have less than, you know, 2% black people in different organizations that are, um, that are supposed to be fair, right? You should be able to apply to work at a grocery store or whatever, and you're having less than an equal number of your natural fallout. Now, if you're in, you know, Maine or something, you don't have that many black people, affirmative action doesn't affect you because – it's uh, um, your natural fallout would be like less than 1% black people anyway. So if you only had one out of 10 black people working there, that's 10%. So you, that, that might mean that your hiring practices may be fair. It is just that affirmative action was applied to places where they were weeding out black people. So you can't right. discriminate if you have a certain number of applicants. So it's like understanding that, when you have something like the NFL, for example, and it's a natural fallout, the NFL hires who, I mean, after they got past it, you know, they have players who play skilled positions. So you can naturally assume, hey, they got in there, you have all these black players, but you have no coaches. So you're like, why is that a thing? It's because the ownership hires the coaches, so affirmative action would say, listen, you need to start considering having minorities coach because there's a bunch of minorities playing. So affirmative action does not across the board say that you have to have black people. It says that you can't discriminate against having black people or, or minorities. Right. And, and how right, that played right. off in the bigger picture is white women benefited more from affirmative action than black people did because you can count them as minorities when it comes to hiring because they were minorities. And, and money for companies. You're right, Jerome. And so the first thing came out of somebody's mouth over here was the women are going to take the heat on the affirmative action more than anything else yeah. because that's how they get scholarship, yeah. I mean, get government funding and that kind of stuff for their business is through affirmative action. So, so Bobby really thought that that was going to be take a big effect on the women in this country for that reason. Yeah, yeah, and like, and like for for example, in Texas, you know, we have the underutilized uh, women business. So, you know, once again, like Jerome brought, he brought the NFL. 
you know, even though affirmative action was in place, the NFL had to put a rule in and say, okay, we're going to put the Rooney rule in because, you know, they were st- there are still ways to get around it. So they were saying that you have to. And that's a, that's a perfect example of what affirmative action represents. You have to, we're, you know, you're not even getting an opportunity to talk to these people because, once again, we talked about this earlier in the show, how, you know, white folks, they own a lot of things. And so at the end of the day, they can say, well, I can hire who I want to hire. Well, no, you've you got to give us a shot. Because if you don't give us a shot, then we're not going to get a shot. But you don't like you, you brought up something interesting, saying it could go both ways. I, I, I just, I don't know, man. I just think that we're in a bad place when you look at things of this nature and folks start talking about, well, you know, um, and I. Well, you know, it's not fair. It's not fair. You know, it should be we're all the same color. And, all. no, we're not the same color. And these are these folks who grew up in high school who they weren't taught about how this nation treated our people. And so they think that, you know, all of a sudden, my black friend, we're no, we're not equal. Stop it with this nonsense. Stop it. I've been on the call. I've told this man this show, and I'm going to tell it again. Because I think it's important. I want it to resonate. Because I worked as an HR director for a, a big company. And this company, we were required to hire staff for different places. And I remember my white project manager coming into my office in tears. I said, what is wrong with you? She said, Jay, I just got off the phone with one of our biggest clients. And I want you to hear the voicemail that this person left for me. I go in her office. I play this voicemail. And this guy is telling her, he says, hey, listen, you know, we appreciate you bringing people down, but y'all don't have any white people over there. Y'all say there's too many black folks. Mm-hmm. And I was livid. So I got on the phone, and I called that guy direct. And I said, let me tell you something. I don't give a damn if they green, yellow, purple. We hired the most qualified people to come there. I said, I need to talk to you like today. And he was like, because he was like, oh, you know, AJ, you know, because he thought – that we were good. I had never met this guy. He had never met me. So I drove down there. I said, because I cannot believe what I'm hearing. Now, this was in the early 2000s. I get down there. The guy comes down the elevator, and guess what? He looks just like me. And I was, my mouth hit the ground, and his mouth hit the ground, because <laughs> he, thought, he thought that I was white. I thought that he was white. And when we got into that elevator, the straight-up domino-playing, trash-talking Jay came out, and we had to go up 60 floors, and I was cussing his ass out from floor one all the way up to floor 61. I said, I can't believe you, brother. Tom Dasson, no, brother. You're the reason why we – you are a puppeteer. You're a puppet. You're not a puppet. You're a puppet. You let these people tell you what to do, who to hire. Well, you know, I got to answer people. Well, nigga, stand up. Step up. Be a man. <laughs> Stop right. being a weak ass punk and let these people do this stuff to you. It's unbelievable. Right. I was shocked and appalled. Oh boy, I have to use some words I shouldn't yeah. have used. Okay, I think I, we we probably need to step out. Let me let me let's, let's, let's take a break. Man, you don't got my blood pressure up, man. Go on, say this for another break. I just want to say that that so that's the pressure that black people are under because of the of not wanting to. Um, make white people feel uncomfortable. There are black people 
who are doing the bidding for white folks because it's the way that they keep their jobs. He felt like the only way to appease the white folks is to not hire black people, and so he was going to do that. So just because somebody has a black face, Clarence Thomas, doesn't mean that they're looking out for black people. I don't mean to shout him out. That's a black on black crime. But you don't have to do that. Black on Oreo crime. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm saying <laughs> So, yeah, so people like Clarence Thomas, who benefited from affirmative action, got mad at Katanji Brown because they both went to Yale. And Clarence Thomas's claim was he was treated bad by white people because he was an affirmative action um, he got in through affirmative action, and he doesn't want that for other black people. Other black people don't have that experience. You wanted white people to love you, and and that's what the problem was. So he went he went out and said it's because of the treatment that he had by white people from affirmative action that he don't think affirmative action need to exist. But instead of him Stop seeing it. that, yeah, instead of him seeing the fact that he wouldn't even been there for the white Thank folks you. to not like him doesn't really mean anything to him. Yeah. You know, and here's and just to just to put a just to put the close that other story out. That joke I was telling you guys about that guy is he's not even a Clarence Thomas. This guy is one of the straight up hoodest Negroes you'll ever meet. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Fat back pork? I mean he is a straight up Negro. Black, he's just a cool yeah. black dude. After I got to know, I'm like you, you know. And I talk about that Joker to this day. All right, look, we gotta go. We gotta step. I take a real quick break because uh, I need Jesus in my life. That's why we lead this show off with prayer because sometimes Satan gets a hold, and then I gotta say some things I shouldn't be saying. I apologize for using the N word, but I got caught up. Touch, Lord. Touch, touch, Lord. Touch me, Vanessa. <laughs> Preach. Yes. Vanessa, go pray. Don't worry about that. There you go. Yeah, Pastor, pray for me. I need prayer <laughs> this morning. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Online radio at its best. The NAACP is committed to equality for all people, especially the equality of foundational black Americans. Every other child gets a chance at economic equality. Every other child gets a chance at living the best life they possibly can. Doesn't he deserve a chance too? Learn more at NAACP.org. What? 
7850127 That song came right on time because I see Jesus in my life. You're listening to the serious side right here with the TJRS Radio Network online radio. Best, of course, I'm Jay, and it's time to say good morning to my beautiful family. I tell you something, I consider myself so dang go lucky. I got all these brothers and sisters. I got so many brothers and sisters. I just want to do with them all. But I tell you, I love these two. Vanessa Mae Belly's in the house. Good morning, big sis. How are you? Good morning, good morning, good morning. This time next week, I'll be on my way to Vegas. So I'm going to miss 10, y'all, boy. <laughs> God, you're that in my face. Why don't you? My man, the sweet return of my brother, Mr. Jerome Spirit, man. What's going on? Where you been, man? We People are like, where's Jerome? I'm like, man, look, I was going to send an SOS <laughs> call. Is he all right? Uh, yeah, where you been? Man. <laughs> man was on the fifth floor. Just chilling. <laughs> that is particular I want to report. Oh, by the way, Vanessa, put something on black for me, because I know that's what you're going to do when you go to Vegas. Um, <laughs> let's put it on them. Hey. Okay. It, it, Jay, were you taking requests? Is that why you played that song? Did somebody request that you get saved in between the next commercial yeah, break? No, you know, it's cool. It was already in the queue, so hey, I was hey. like, maybe somebody knew something before we even got out of here, but yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> okay. Jesus. That's why we have yeah, to have yeah, prayer I, before the show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's cool. Oh, man. Well, now, you know, Mr. Elias is off. Now, I hope I see him today. I think he's in town, so I hope I get a chance to hang, hang out with him a little bit today. Who knows? Um, but I want to say what's up to the pastor. I know Kavina Man's in the house. I want to say what's up to folks that I can actually see strolling up and down on the board here. Uh, no more BZ and the Heath is in the house. Real D is in the house as well. I want to say good morning to those people. Uh, you know how it is. When Mr. Elias is not here, I don't go out and pull stuff down, even though I just fixed it. And I probably should. And I did take a peek, and I do want to say something to a young lady. Hold on, I wrote it down. Um, Carla from Baltimore. Um, so what is, okay, so she okay, so she's asking about. Really, a friend of hers told her 
who was listening who was listening to the show about we did something on eviction. She wants to replay it. Carla, let me tell you what's happening. So basically what you have to do, sweetie, is earlier in the show we did have a segment called Convena Time in four minutes or less, something that you need to know. What we do during that segment, we play things that we think folks should know. For this week, we played um, convictions. So what, what you need to do, if there's information in there that's helpful to you, you're going to have to wait until 15 minutes after the show has concluded, and then you can go on Blog Talk Radio. That's where the show is housed. I'm not sure where you are listening from, but it's housed there, and it will be available for you to listen to it at that point. And so just to help you out with time, you can probably fast forward the play bar up until about 30 minutes until the show and then listen from there. But there is a segment on evictions and how people who don't have money uh, can, you know, find ways to find good attorneys. So it was, it was a very useful block and, you know, go back and listen to it, but it'll be available 15 minutes after the show has concluded. Now, I don't know how it works for other sites. It may be available at that time as well. So wherever you're listening for 15 minutes, and you should be able to see the show up. up. And it's the July 9th, uh, 2023 edition of The Serious Side. Wait for it and go back and listen to that segment. I hope that there's something helpful in that segment for you if you are experiencing uh, you know, a situation like that. Earlier in the show, Jerome, before we get into this next topic, I want to get your opinion on something. Uh, we talked about this at the top where – the last three survivors of the Tulsa massacre, a court shut shot down their uh, request for reparations, and I'm just 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 curious to, to your thoughts on that. If you knew, yeah, um, it's it's the same thing that's going on with the same court. If I was going to take something to Supreme Court, I would postpone um, suing until they have a different makeup of the court. Because there's no way that with all the proof that's out there that they should not have gotten paid by the state and federal should have kicked in because they actually used government troops. They bombed them, um, the state did. And in every other case, when it comes to, you know, the Japanese internment camps and all these other things, the Irish folks, like everybody can get reparation in this, in this country but black indigenous people. And so when we talk about Tulsa, um, and, and black people, and I have family in Oklahoma. My grandfather's folks are in that area. That black people are, in, are indigenous to North America. In 1913, the federal government changed the census to anybody who was native. It made them colored. So the indigenous people who were in Tulsa, who had all of that land and did all of that stuff, the classification was changed to colored so that they wouldn't claim any of their land back. So there's a lot of atrocities that are going on when you start talking about black people in around that era. Um, and for the Supreme Court to dismiss it like they had no claim goes back into whatever the, um, the fairness doctrine is, which you can kind of look up or I'll talk about it next week, or the doctrine of discovery, that white folks don't believe that anything exists until white people claim it. So that's still enacted. Um, people still use that in court sometimes. Um, the government does. And it's just a policy that says that white folks, unless white folks grant it to you, it does not exist. So wow, good stuff. it's really unfair, yeah. and the justice system is not just when it comes to that yeah, stuff. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Just definitely wanted to get your opinion on that. Appreciate you, sir. It's time to get into the last topic of the morning. Online radio at its best. We also learned this week that an attorney disciplinary committee recommended that Rudy Giuliani be disbarred in Washington, D.C. for his efforts on behalf of Trump in those uh, days when they were trying to overturn the 2020 election results. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, just like these advisors and Rudy were told in this Oval Office meeting that they had no evidence of fraud, the um, this bar um, panel, sort of a disciplinary panel, has recommended that he should not be able to practice law anymore because he filed these lawsuits without any evidence of election fraud. Their ruling was very harsh. They called it a destructive case, and we claim all right, so Rudy Giuliani uh, has been recommended by a board that he be disbarred. And you know what's so crazy about this story? I remember when Rudy Giuliani was the toast of America and the world as America's mayor of his handling of 9-11. And so here we are all these years later. He's a guy that has made a total fool of himself. You know, you've seen the press conference where the dye, his hair dye was running all over his face. There's a, a freaking video of him laying in some hotel room with some chick trying to take his pants off. He is a complete joke, and it's a shame that uh, people looked up to this man at some point. And he was a prosecutor in New York at some point as well, so who knows what kind of nonsense he did when he was in that position. That being said, I think the bigger picture for me, guys, is – all these people who are willing to risk their careers and their freedom for one man who would never, ever, ever do the same for them is amazing to me. So play psychiatrist for me, if you will, brain surgeon or whatever. Why do people do things like this? When Donald Trump has shown that he don't give a – he would throw his own kids under the bus to save his own ass. But yet there are people that are, that are willing to go to jail for this man. And Rudy Giuliani, you know, he's probably retired by now, but they're talking about taking his law license. And, you know, that's, you know, I mean, that's a lot of money, a lot of time, and they're going to take it from him because he represented stuff that he knew that was not true. Right. And they said a person that's in that position should have ethics, and he... Not right. Practice. Let's say you Jerome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Giuliani, um, there are people here, you know, who talk about how good New York City was when he was mayor, but they were um, stop and stop and frisk, and they were like oppressing black people like crazy. And the way the world oh, yeah. works is that long as white mm-hmm. people feel safe, they don't care what happens to anybody else. And so. When he was there, he was uh, he was acting like Trump when he was mayor, and white folks liked it. And so he can't turn that off. So even when it came time for him to kind of take a national stage, people always think that they can take that to the rest of the country. The country's not like that. The, the country is not racist and crazy. What happens is that you right. have this minority of people who have this belief that white folks' ice is colder, that everything's better the white way kind of thing, and they actually yeah. impose that on everybody else. People really kind of need to stand up and, and say this is not who we are. But people like DeSantis and Trump, those people don't exist in no freaking vacuum. You look at who was um, Trump's attorney general? Um, 
William what Barr. What is that guy's name? You look at William Barr. Barr. As racist and crazy as Barr is, do you, you see him on TV trying to fade back into normal society. He's like, oh, yeah. no, Trump is wrong now and blah, blah, blah. That dude intentionally disrupted mm-hmm. the investigation against Trump. He They yep. changed out, you know, U.S. prosecutors in New York so he wouldn't get prosecuted. He did everything that he could yep. to help carry on the same um, supremacy that white folks has always carried on. And when the jig is up, they fade back into the woodwork, woodworks and um, – Want to go to a Snoop concert? Like they act like they cool people with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, he's not Jesus. really racist. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you look at somebody like um, what is um, I'm sorry, forgetting people's names, but you look at <laughs> Texas governor. That dude's an. Oh, Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott. Huh? Abbott. Greg right. Abbott. He's an opportunist. Yeah. He. I'm not sure that he yeah. believes everything he says, but at the same time. He's going to oppress people just to make an impression on those people who um, who are used to, you know, oppressing folks. That's what they like. They see pleasure in other people's pain, and those guys are big time in that in that camp. Lindsey Graham, those guys, oh, they will be on whatever side they need to be on to to be liked, and then they want, then yeah. they're going to want to change back, you know. So anyway. Well, he you know, well. Here's the thing about Lindsey Graham. He was booed at a, a Trump rally. They booed the hell out of him, and you know, and, and, yeah. and Trump once again. It's it's a, it kind of goes back to, uh, <laughs> it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier in the show. This guy once again, Trump, when he came up on the stage after you know Lindsey was booed, he's like, ah, oh, you know, we love Lindsey. You know, yeah, everybody makes a mistake, but they can come back. But, you know, you can't. I mean, it was just so, I mean, this is a U.S. senator, and, and it's just so, yes, sir, yes, sir, kiss the ring. I, I just, you know, I still can't put my finger on why people react a certain way to this man. And, you know, and people like Lindsey Graham called him a cuddle barker. He talked about Trump when he ran for office, right? Ted Cruz, Donald Trump, you want to go after my wife, you go after me. Now, hey, been over. I mean, I don't get it, man. I don't understand it at all. And like you said with William Barr, people thought when William Barr said, well, William Barr's a conservative, and when they first brought him on, people thought that he was going to be kind of like the adult in the room, that all of a sudden he started, you know, like you said, started, you know, he's the main guy who – Said the Mueller report was really a bunch. There was no hoax. There was none of this stuff. And how the hell did you come to that conclusion by reading that report? Because I read it and I came to the complete opposite uh, conclusion. Right. So I mean, so when you think about this, there are a bunch of sheep that will be led to the slaughter because of these fools. And I don't get it, man. I I just don't understand it. I really don't. Right. Right. <laughs> No man, I, I just, I, I'm so, I'm, I have no words because I know people who are very educated, people who are, mm-hmm. you know, they, they give to charity, they do all these different things, and then they sit and say, well, you know, I want to vote for Trump. He knows nothing, nothing. Right. He benefited from coming into office after President Obama. Right. But you saw when a crisis hit. 
When COVID hit, that was all him, and you saw how it was handled. Millions of Americans right. died because of that fool, and they still want to put him back in the office. Go ahead, man. You can have the right. last three minutes. But, They're all yours. But, you know, I actually had this conversation um, recently that that's usually how Republican administrations work, right? So even during the energy crisis doing Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter right. – was like we're sending a thermostat down in the White House, and he wore a sweater, and people was like, oh, you know, he's um, he's trying to empathize with the people. Then Reagan came mm-hmm. in, and they called it Camelot because he was spending money like nobody's business. Deficit rose. Yeah. He increased like like all of, he increased the deficit by so much. Unemployment went up to dang near twenty five percent. Like they didn't care, but he was spending money like it was water. And then he had to go some cutback measures. Then you get another Democrat in there. They say, or well, um, Bush came in after after him. But when um, you know Clinton came in, they saved all this money. Next Republican came in and spent it. And Obama comes in doing one of the worst times of America, yep. almost on a depression level yep. problem. Yeah. And people kept saying, why would he even want to be president now? Everything's so bad. Gas is going to yep. be five dollars. No matter what happened, like people were on that. And then yep. once Obama turned the economy around, they went to Trump and he spent the money, a trillion dollar tax cut. Now it's like, oh, yeah. well, where's the money? Biden's doing such a good job that people are focusing on his age because there's that yeah. inflation has not hit like, you know, they said it was going to go through. We're going to go through a recession and this and that. And for some reason, the moves that they're making at the Fed and all that has stabilized. Prices are going down. Gas prices are stabilizing. Even though we have all of these crisis things, like, on the horizon when people kept crying wolf, it has not happened. Under, and we've had, like, 30 months of straight uh, job growth with over, like, I guess, 200,000 people or more getting hired a month. We have 30 straight months yeah. of that under Biden. And people still... Yeah. We'll be like, well, he's horrible. We need somebody else. We need to bring Trump back. Because Democrats will stabilize stuff, crisis, just to keep power and get control. You have to believe right. that something is wrong for you to change administrations. So they're making yeah, up, you know, correct. Hunter Biden. When have you ever heard somebody talk about somebody's child? Do you go buy craft cheese and be like, you know, one of the craft kids did drugs. Like, he was like <laughs> we don't do that with nobody, but they're doing that with him. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. It's it's nuts, man. It's nuts. And once again, you know, the pot calling the kettle black, you know, Trump's kids, what they did, you know, once again, still haven't been held accountable. Oh. It's just, this country is this berserko. They, you know, like I said, man. Different topic for a different day. We got to step out. Quick news break, and Jerome and I will be back with our final thoughts. Don't you go anywhere. Federal agencies are investigating the crash of a small plane in Southern California yesterday. Officials say all six people on board were killed when the Cessna business jet went down in a field while attempting to land about 80 miles southeast of Los Angeles. Last week, a small plane crashed at the same airport. One person died. The former head coach of West Virginia University's men's basketball team has sent a letter to school officials demanding his job back. As NPR's Dave Mistage reports, the school announced Bob Huggins' resignation after his drunken driving arrest. Huggins was arrested in Pittsburgh last month for driving under the influence. 
with a breathalyzer test showing his blood alcohol level more than twice the legal limit. The day after the arrest, WVU officials announced Huggins' retirement, and an assistant coach was later named as the interim head coach for the team. Now, an attorney for Huggins says he never communicated a resignation. The letter also threatens a lawsuit if he is not reinstated. University officials say they received a resignation notice from an email address belonging to Huggins' wife, and that Huggins had met with players and staff to announce his departure. The 69-year-old Huggins is the third winningest coach in men's college basketball history, behind only Mike Krzyzewski and Jim Beheim. Dave Mistich, NPR News, Morgantown. U.S. women's soccer star Megan Rapinoe says she plans to retire after this season. She's 38. During her career, she won an Olympic gold medal and two World Cup championships. I'm Nora Rahm, NPR News in Washington. There's a new way to support this show and public media. Please consider signing up for the NPR Plus podcast bundle. NPR Plus listeners get to unlock sponsor-free shows and bonus episodes. You can find out more at plus.npr.org. And thanks. Listen to this podcast sponsor-free on Amazon Music with a Prime membership or any podcast app by subscribing to NPR News Now Plus at plus.npr.org. That's plus.npr.org. Online radio at its best. All right, folks, it is time for our final thoughts. What a robust show. And uh, the smartest man in the world, man, final thoughts. Man, I did have a final thought, and I lost it after listening to that Bob Huggins story. You know, well, I, isn't that I something? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that story consumed me as soon as I heard it. I'm like, wait a minute. Because he got DWI, he resigned. Then we're getting a little too... <laughs> We get a little bit too beside ourselves. I think that um, <laughs> that's no reason for him. He wasn't drunk when he was coaching, was he? <laughs> like, he wasn't drunk on his job. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, so my final thought about that is uh, I'm just going to say keep Bob Hugg- Huggins and, um, <laughs> and everybody peace out and have a good week, and we'll have some news next time. We'll, we'll figure out how to do this. We're going to have to talk about these things. Oh, you know, and I did, I did forget to say that um, doing affirmative action that um, lawyers um, filed a lawsuit on Monday um, against, um, what was it, people who have, um, what do you call it, legacy admissions. So yeah. Harvard is getting sued against legacy admissions because if you're a former student, people were, like, giving you preference and um, in acceptance. So they're getting sued now for that. If you can... Get black, get people of color up out of there. Why not get rid of legacy students? So that's all I have to say. See you guys next week. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and on that note, Mr. Jerome Spring, if it's Sunday <laughs> and we're talking stuff, what time is it, my friend? Hey, time for the side of the Jay Ryle Show. Folks, it's been a pleasure to serve you, and we welcome our brother back with open arms. So for Vanessa, for Mr. Elias, for Jerome, I'm Jay Ross saying have a wonderful work week. And remember, if it is Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side. God bless you, Faith. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.